Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. If you have ever spent time studying any of the Islamic sciences, one of the patterns that becomes clear is the attention scholars in the past gave to documenting principles, axioms, rules, aphorisms, etc. In almost every discipline, you will find these catalogued, all with the aim of making the study of that particular discipline easy. So, rather than always having to start with a minutia and then making sense of it, students typically learn these principles which provide important frameworks to make sense of it all. Now, while these principles are usually for students and experts of these fields, I believe that many Muslims seeking to make sense of Islam require their own set of first principles through which they can approach Islam as a religion and discipline of study and also draw conclusions that are both at one with the fundamentals of the faith and also compatible with our current condition. In this series, And at this point, I'm not exactly sure how long it's going to be, but I will say at least 10 episodes. I want to highlight some of these first principles that help us create a mental framework through which we can make sense of Islam today. Enjoy. Principle number one. Why were we created? So oftentimes we ask ourselves, You know, what's the purpose of life? Why were we created? This line of thinking often brings up a second question, which is why did God create everything in the first place? That's not necessarily the question that I want us to focus on. But if we stopped and we thought about that a little bit, why did God create everything in the first place? We find there's this text. It's not a hadith. Uh, at all, but uh, we, it's, an, it's always transmitted as a hadith, but it's a false hadith. But in it is some reality, uh, and it's the hidden treasure text, you know, Kuntu Kenzan that God says in this supposed hadith Qudsi, I was a hidden treasure, uh, an I, I wished to be known, so I created creation to be known. Now this is not a hadith. It, 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 we cannot attribute this to the Prophet or attribute it to Allah. It's a statement, as many statements we have inherited, but it's a true statement. In the sense that one way we can look at why everything was created is without all of this, Allah would have not been known. You know, God would have not been known because there would be nobody worshipping, there would be nobody praising Him, there would no, be nobody mentioning His name, etc. And this is why this statement Somewhere in the past, somebody asked their, you know, their sheikh, well, why did Allah create all of this? So you, know, you, you can imagine the sheikh saying, because Allah w- wanted to be known. Um, and that's an easy way to answer that question. There's, there's nothing false. But because this is not a real hadith, the real answer to the question, why did God create everything, is we don't know. 
And that's and nor have we been asked to know that, nor have we been given the information to know that. It just it just is. Which is why it's the second question or the first principle that I'm trying to begin with is why were we created? A lot of people in the past, they have, you know, they are overwhelmed by this type of questioning. And this, this type of questioning can lead them to, you know, severe depression and they become despondent and they give up, you know, because, but interestingly for us, we have a very clear reason of why we were created. And as a matter of fact, when we go back to the Quran, we deduce, or the ulama before us have deduced that there are three answers to this question. There are three purposes to the, our creation. So if you ask yourself, why do I exist? There's, you exist for these three things. Worship, ibadah, purification, tazkiyah, and development, imran. So we'll take them one at a time. Worship. We have the verse, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا الْيَعْبُدُونَ in Surah Al-Dhariyat. I have not created the jinn kind or the mankind except to worship. So here Allah Ta'ala in the Qur'an defines creation as being only for the purpose of worship. Now in this case, when we say worship, ibadah, we are talking about the acts, the mechanical acts that we have to do. And I use that word not pejoratively, I use that word on purpose because when I say mechanical acts, I'm also alluding to the fact that we have a legal literature around them, which we call the sharia or fiqh, you know, how to pray, how to wash for prayer, when does the prayer times come in, how you determine the direction of the qibla, uh, what happens if you miss a prayer, what happens if you forget something in the prayer, are all the motions in the prayer equal, so on and so forth, and that's just for prayer. So our mechanical acts of worship is something that we were created for. Because it's a debt that we owe God for being created. So the acts of worship that are legislated for us in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah are things that we have to do and there are things that we were created to do. So when you stand and you pray or you're fasting or you're paying your zakah you know, or you go on hajj or whatever those acts of worship are, that's why you were created. Part of why you were created is to engage in those acts. Because those acts of worship are what we owe God for being created in the first place. So God created us, gave us life. So therefore we have to use some of our life, some of our uh, energy, some of our existence to worship. So the debt, the dain that we owe God is to practice our religion, our deen. And as I said, there's no coincidence that those words are, are related. <coughs> When you get into the, uh, into the sharia, into the details of the sharia, one of the things that the fuqaha try to determine is the reason behind uh, legislative action, what is called in the science of law al-illah, or the reason, or the, the fancy name is the ratio legis, which is the reason behind an action. Why is alcohol haram? What is the reason behind it? Well, there's a verse that says this and a hadith that says that, but why? Did the, does the verse say that and the, the hadith say that? Because the alcohol intoxicates the mind and the mind is what receives the divine, you know, the divine word or the Qur'an. It's the, what we say, mahallu taklif. It's, it's the object upon which we become morally 
or for which we become morally uh, obliged. So in the study of the, the Sharia, the fuqaha, in the detailed discussions, they always want to know the reason behind a certain action. But sometimes we don't know the reason. And when we don't know the reason, the fuqaha say the reason is ta'abudi, the reason is out of worship. Why is gold haram for men to wear? There really is no reason, because platinum is not haram, uh, diamonds are not haram. I could make my thobe all out of diamonds, right? That would be much, much more fancy, much, much more uh, extravagant than gold. So you can't say, oh, because gold is expensive. No, there's, there's no reason. There's no rational, legal reason. So we say it's out of worship, ta'abudi. And this is just a fancy way of saying that's the way it is. Why is the, the pork or a pig product haram to eat for us? There really is no reason. You can't say because it's dirty. There are Muslims, they try to do through all these gymnastics. Oh, it's dirty, it eats its feces. You know, there are other animals that are, that are dirty and, and things like that that we can eat. Why? Because Allah says so. Because it's out of worship. And this is not to get out of answering the question. It's to impress upon ourselves that the many of the things that we do, we do out of worship fundamentally because this is the reason we were created. God gave us life, so we owe part of our existence to use part of that existence in the worship of God. So when we think about this reason, it should give us deeper meaning and deeper uh, satisfaction and deeper commitment to our own acts of worship. Because when we stand to pray, this you are meant to do this. When you fast in Ramadan, you were meant to do that. When you save up your money to go on to Hajj, you were meant to do that. That's a tremendous meaning. Rather than, ah, oh, now I have to pray, now I have to fast, now, you know, now I have to do this, now I have to give some of my money to Zakat. We should be thinking about it completely opposite. This is the reason behind my existence. And if you do that, you will be able to go and pray because you realize that you have to. Not have to negatively, have to positively. I'm not a human unless I pray. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, لا خير في دين لا صلاة في. There is no good in a religion or a religious belief if there's no prayer. Because prayer is the fundamental anchor of a religious belief or a tradition, a religious tradition. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, philosophy or some sort of just talking. No, we, we talk and we think, but we act. And again, in this regard, the word for knowledge in Arabic is ilm. And the word for action is amal. And there's no coincidence that the words are created. They're made of the, uh, are related. They're created, created from the same three letter, three letters. The ayn, the lam, and the meem. Okay, so worship. The second reason we were created is for purification. Tazkiyah. And to this effect, Allah Ta'ala says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَاهَا In Surah Shams. Blessed is the person who rectifies their nafs and Ruinous is the person who allows their nafs to fall. Now, this, uh, these two verses, verses 9 and 10 of Surah Al-Shams, they, they speak to a lot about this topic because it indicates and it alludes to the fact that the same person can have a different nafs. Your nafs fluctuates. And one of the great figures in the Qur'an that, that teaches us is Zulaikha, the wife of the Aziz in the, in the story of Joseph. Look where Zulaikha started, you know, trying to seduce 
Yusuf and then look where Zulaikha ends at the end of the surah, at the end of the story. She supports Yusuf, makes tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and acknowledges you know, that the nafs can call to wrong action. This is where we get a nafsul ammara bisu. We get it, this word of the nafs from that chapter. And in some of the you know, uh, other sources, it's indicated that she ends up marrying Yusuf alayhi salam. You know, a wife of a prophet, if we believe in that, that part of the story. So same person, right? She's the same person. It's not a different person. It's not, there's not Zulaikha uh, and her like twin, right? It's just the same person. But she was one way and ended up another way. Because the nafs changed. She made an honest tawbah. So that's the example. The other example of what we don't want to be like is Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh was given everything, every possible conceivable sign. You know, it came from the sky, it came from the ground, it came in the wall, everything. He saw everything that was, you could possibly need to see to prove that this man was true, that this was a man of God. And not only was he a man of God, but his brother was also a man of God. You know, Harun uh, was also a prophet with Musa alayhi salam. What else could Pharaoh had wanted? But Pharaoh's problem is he was arrogant, meaning that he clouded his nafs to the point where he refused to acknowledge the, the evident, the self-evident truth that his belief was wrong, that his actions were wrong, that the proof was in front of him, that he was been given an opportunity to come back to him. Right, so Moses didn't believe. And he's the archetype for the, you know, the arrogant person. So the nafs fluctuates. So when Allah says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّهَ Blessed is the person that improves their nafs. That means that the, the, the nafs, zakaha, this is where we get the word tazkiyah from purification. The nafs can be purified. But if you leave it, it flounders. Dasaha, it just, it just flounders and, and goes deeper and deeper. And in the previous series, we talked about Islamic spirituality and we talked about the levels of the nafs and how we transver- traverse the, the levels of the nafs, so on and so forth. So this is not just something that sounds good. This is the reason why we were created. We were created to improve ourselves. So as we are, we can't just say, well, this is just the way I am. No, that, that, that sentence we should not utter. Rather, we should say, this is where I am today, but I want to go somewhere else tomorrow. I want to make a change. And every time we make a change, I want to make another change. And I want to go higher and higher and higher. We don't want to just end up where we are. We're always working on ourselves. So one result of this reason why we were created is we're constantly working on refining ourselves. And you know, mashallah, we have so many tools at our disposal. So many spiritual tools and practices and the practices of the people before us that this part of our religion is actually one of the things that has flourished throughout Islamic history. It's nothing, it's nothing that's been forgotten or no one knows about it. It's one of the things that has flourished. So self-purification and, and the study of the self, you know, Islamic psychology. How shaitan can come in and whisper and move you this way and move you that way. All of these things have been documented and tracked. You know, how do you improve yourself? So we're very fortunate that we have, you know, many, many manuals. Actually, there's too many manuals about this. You know, that so much has been written. So self-purification is one of the reasons we've been created. And then the third reason the ulama deduce, you know, as they analyze the Qur'an and the Sunnah, is what we call development. And this is from Surah Al-Hud, Ayah 61. Allah Ta'ala has created us from the earth 
It's very interesting that in this verse, God reminds us that He has created us from the matter of the earth, caused us to dwell in the earth, and has asked from us that we develop the earth. When I looked at the translations, the English translation of this verse, I found them all, all the ones that I looked at at least, to be incorrect. Because here God says, وَاسْتَعْمَرَكُمْ fiha." The form of the verb istamarakum istafala in Arabic means that the person or the, 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 the person saying this has asked from the other person this action. Istamarakum means God has asked from us that we develop it. So this is, He did not cause us to dwell and command us. He has caused us to dwell on earth and has asked from us that we develop it. Meaning that this is one of the reasons why we were created. And, you know, maybe this is something that that verse can, can use some improvement on the English translation. So God reminds us, in asking us, God reminds us, I created you from earth, I caused you to dwell on earth, so I'm asking you to develop the earth. So when we develop the earth and we build, we're building ourselves. And that from which we have come from, we belong. You know, in, in English we say mother earth. Well, we wouldn't, you know call earth the mother, unless we had some sort of very deep love and affection to where we come from, you know. So God is reminding us in the verse three times that our connection to the earth. And this is what we can refer to as our quote-unquote secular life. This development aspect. So Islam is not a monastic tradition where God is telling us you got to give up everything, all pleasures, all dunya, all money, all things to reach a high spiritual state. That's not, that's one extreme. The, the monastic tradition, that's not the Islamic tradition. Neither is the, is it material, where God is saying, you know, acquire more things, the more things you have, the better you are, the closer you are to God. That's like another extreme. You know that unfortunately some uh, religions and some groups within religions advocate. You know, this pro idea that prosperity means that you are a sign, that, that you are a sign that God is favorable. You know, that, that's very dangerous for us. But rather Islam is in the middle. Saying that you have to worship, you have to purify yourself, but you also have to develop this world based on certain principles that we'll get into throughout this series, inshallah, that reflect the qualities of the divine. So this is the dunya life, right? This is the secular life. You have to have a job. You have to have a source of income. And that job and that income, other than inshallah, it's got to be halal and all of that, it's got to add up to something. You got to be doing something positive. There are, you know, some, and, and you people, sorry, yeah, of course. It's got, no, but there are some jobs, there are some people that, <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, not anyone that's listening, but there are people out there that they're not doing that through their careers. You know, they're just... It's about me, 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 and they're not really adding value. And some people are unfortunately are hurting people in supply chains and things like that. That's an area that I personally am concerned about. So we have to do something and we have to do it together. Because when Allah says, and He has asked you to develop it, Allah uses the plural, you, all of you, all of creation. Not just the Muslims, but the human being. Here we're talking about the reason the humans were created, not just Muslims. So these three purposes are for everybody. So if one of the reasons why I am created is to develop the world, then that means I must be able to work with other people. 
And if I must be able to work with other people, that means I have to be able to work with every people. Whether they are like me or not like me. Whether they believe in what I believe or not believe in what I believe. Whether they understand me or they don't understand me. Whether they like me or they don't like me. Or I don't like them. But as long as we occupy the same mother, right, the same earth, and we are all from this earth, and this is our belief, that we must and have to work together to develop this world so that it, it is better, we leave it better than we received it. This is the reason why you were created. This is one of the reasons why we were created. Now this helps give you a totally different perspective you know, of your life. Because some people uh, that are searching, you know, for like religious things and spiritual things and they'll go to a conference and they'll listen to this and they'll listen to that and they'll, they'll feel like all warm and fuzzy inside and that's all they want to do. You know, but slow down. No, that's, you can't just, you can't leave one of these aspects because that's not how this works. And there's a famous story uh, that we all have heard before that the three companions were trying to decide how they're going to live their life and one companion said you know I'm, I'm going to fast every single day of the year and never break my fast and one person said well I'm going to stay up all night in prayer I'm not going to sleep any of the night and then the third said I'm going to give up you know marriage and having a family and I'm going to be celibate but the Prophet ﷺ overheard them so when he appeared he said as for me I will fast some of the year but I won't fast some of the year I'll pray at night but then I'll sleep part of the night and I will marry and I'll have a family and this is my sunnah. This is my way. He concluded by saying, whoever goes away from my sunnah is not from me. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, even though he is so grand and so mighty and so perfect for us, you know, he's an insanul kamil, you know, the perfect human being. In that perfection was ultimate balance. He prayed and he slept. He fasted and he ate. He would preach and teach, but he would also hang out with the companions. And that's what we call them, the Sahaba, his companions, his friends. We don't call them his students. We don't call them, you know, his minions or something or his subjects. We say they're his companions, the Sahaba. I mean, he hung out with them. There are hadith about the Prophet just hanging out with them. Just talking about random things that they would talk about. So he was balanced. So this aspect of why we were created, this, what we call development, for lack of a better word, Imran, it reminds us of the importance to be balanced. And the importance not to think that our job and, is meaningless. I know sometimes we feel like that. Our job is meaningless and you know, maybe we, we need to get another job or something like that. That's fine. But the, the concept of needing to work is there's nothing wrong about that. There's nothing like non-Islamic about that. There's nothing bad about that. No, it's the exact opposite. It's the reason why you were created. Is you have to find something meaningful to do and do it that helps somebody else. Anything that you do that you seek, there are, there are thousands and thousands of trades that you can have, thousands and thousands of jobs that you can find in which you are, you are fulfilling, you know, fulfilling this obligation or this meta-principle. So, this principle helps us understand and answer the question, why were we created? So if you ever find yourself stuck, remind yourself, I was created to worship, to purify, and to develop. And there are, you know, very few people, believe it or not, that can be that confident in answering this question, well, this is why I was created. But alhamdulillah, we have a, a reason why, uh, a very strict, an uh, you know, very direct answer, clear answer, certain answer to this question. And 
It's not like we have to go around every day thinking about this. You know, I was created for this, this, this. No, no. But, but when we are in shift in our life, whether we're in shift from age to age, job to job, or we're transitioning from you know, student to uh, uh, professional or single to marriage or whatever, you know, we all go through these uh, cycles in life and these shifts. It's helpful to come back to this and to remind ourselves that you know, worship is serious. Our acts of worship are serious. We need to learn how to do those things. Purification is, is very serious and it never ends. You know, the Prophet وسلم, he re- referred to that as al jihad al akbar, the, the greater jihad is self purification because you're always yourself. You can't stop being yourself. Every, you are yourself all the time. So that struggle is always going to be there, it's never going to end. And it also helps you focus on yourself and not focus on all these you know, nonsense around you. A lot of times I find when people focus on the negativity outside, I notice that they're not focusing on themselves. Let's just focus a little bit more about ourselves, my own self. How can I be better myself? Because if you do that, you're going to be less concerned with all of these things around you, all of the negativity. You'll be, you'll be much calmer. And you'll be much more concerned. And your concern for yourself will lead to self-improvement, will lead to a better life for yourself. But concern about things outside that you can't control are, are only going to increase your anxiety. You're only going to increase your anger, your frustration, because you can't change them. I know that this kind of, maybe people don't want to hear this, and I'm not saying give up on other stuff, but at least we can spend more time focusing on ourselves, let's say, and, and trying to become better. And let's plan and commit to finding meaningful work. Something that's meaningful, that we can do something that makes a difference, that satisfies us, that helps other people, that helps us grow professionally, and take comfort in the fact that this is one of the reasons why we were created. It's not just, well, I'm not wealthy, so I have to have a job to pay the bills. Don't look at it like that, because that's, that's a very depressing life. Look at it that I'm doing something that's making a difference. And to make a difference, there are so many micro jobs that have to happen along the way to make ultimate difference. So don't, you know, you're not going to be like, you know, William Wallace and like free, you know, Scotland or something. I don't want you to think like that's what I'm talking about. It, it could be anything inside an organization. Because remember, this is about working with other people. So we have to learn how to work with others, be with others. And there's all these dynamics. Now, this is a meta principle. There are a lot of micro things that have to happen underneath. But this is just about establishing the principle first so we can reflect on it and move forward, inshallah. <laughs>